Welcome to the Road to Tenby podcast for aspiring triathletes on a journey to the world-renowned Ironman Wales event in Tenby. Here's your host, hoping to inspire you to reach your goals and full potential. He's an Ironman Wales finisher, PGA golf professional and a proud father, Tom Davis. Hey, we are back. This is officially the longest road to Tenby ever. <laughs> it's been uh, almost, it'll be three years now, I think. Um, will it be three years? No, two years. Three years since the event was last held. Yeah, it would be, yeah. Bloody mm-hmm. hell. Yeah, three mm-hmm. years since I signed up as well. Three years ago, I said, I'm going to be loads fitter when I do this next time. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not. Uh, class. So, um, firstly, I just want to say sorry for not uploading anything for, I don't know, nine months or whatever. A um, couple of reasons. Number one, as soon as it got cancelled last year, I just couldn't be asked. And uh, being really honest, um, yeah, I just haven't had the kind of motivation to, to do it at all. But I've had quite a few people asking to get the podcast back up and running, looking for some training uh, content, I guess. So um, I thought, what better? than to put a post out to everyone on Instagram. Uh, and I had a couple of replies. One from our guest today asking for uh, somebody else to be on. And I was like, no, balls to that. Uh, let's get you on. So I'd like to welcome to the podcast, uh, Daniel Ward. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Tom. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I am pretty much living the dream. This is um, my, my lunch break. So, yeah, same here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I need to apologise now. You've taken a break from the podcast and returned with me. So, sorry everyone. <laughs> so, for those of you um, that don't know Dan, Dan's got a YouTube channel. It's got loads of subscribers. Uh, I've just been watching uh, a couple of videos this morning, Dan, actually. Um, sorry about those. No, they're re- really good. And I, I didn't quite realise like your story, and I'm hoping to elaborate a little bit more on it as we... Uh, as we get into the podcast, but I guess for, for those of you, uh, for those who don't know you, give us a bit of a background on you, what you do, how long, okay. you know, how, how long you've been in a triathlon for. Okay. Well, uh, sit, hope you all sat down tight. This might take a while. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm 30 years old. I've probably been in triathlon or been doing triathlon for nearly 10 years now. Now that does not mean that I'm any good because I'm not, but it just means that I'm having a bloody good time. So, um, I, and I plan to continue for many years to come. So I um, started triathlon, probably like many people do, because I was sick of getting running injuries. I enjoyed running and I just couldn't do it for any longer than like 10 weeks in a row without getting some sort of injury. So I was quite heavy at the time. So I started riding a bike and then reluctantly started swimming. Um, and then I went on to, you know, the, your classic uh, slippery slope of I'll do a super sprint, then a sprint, or then I'll do an Olympic, or then I'll try like a half distance, then I'll do a full, and you just end up like having no money, no free time, and not really knowing what you're doing. So um, I feel like I've still got quite a long way to go in the sport, but um, yeah, I sort of started triathlon 10 years or so ago. I was fairly sporty as a child, I think. Mm. So in my t- teenage years, uh, I wasn't, when people say that, I know they're normally then incredible athletes. I was sporty as a child from like 12, 13 onwards. Uh, my dad had a bit of like a, a health revelation mid forties as people do and stop going to the pub and start going to the local running club. And that just essentially meant I had to go with him so, uh, <laughs> along with my uh, begrudging sister as well. We both then started doing uh, running and swimming. So I'm sort of average because of that. And I'm very grateful for my parents making me do those things. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. By no means elite. What, what about any other sports like in school or anything? 
no, I was never really one for like ball sports or anything. I mm-hmm. wanted to, and I gave it a go, but I was just, wasn't, wasn't any good. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately, if you're not very good, you don't get picked. Whereas triathlon, if you're not very good, you can still do it. <laughs> I know all about that. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 my uh, biggest sporting accolade was I was in the uh, football team in our uh, year 11 and we won like the town cup. I say I was in the team. I was on the bench and I think we were like four nil up in the final and they brought me on for a laugh with like three minutes to go. <laughs> I'm in the photo. I was on the pitch. It's all accounts. It's all accounts. Exactly. <laughs> so you know, you said you were uh, you done a little bit of running uh, when, when you were younger. Kind of what 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 standard did you get to running? So uh, you don't really realise at the time, do you? And of course, it's before the days of GPS watches and things. Mm. So I don't really know how fast I was running. But when I started running 12, 13, I was you know very bad. I wasn't I wasn't good in my class at school. Wasn't making the school cross country team. But by the time I got to 15, 16, I was, I was pretty good. I was I got qualified to run for the county. I wouldn't then place very well at the county standard. But, you know, mm. I sort of was in that top probably handful of people in your class at school. Uh, yeah. I was a member of Mansfield Harriers and the club was really what pushed me on. I had, I had a great coach in uh, Tim Rayner, who still coaches running. Uh, he really uh, focused on us enjoying it. And I had a great group of friends at the running club. And because of that, we pushed each other on. And um, yeah, my biggest, uh, I think, accolade was I was the county champion at 3,000 meters under 17 oh, wow. with a little asterisk next to it i was the only guy that turned up <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I often cut that second part out but i am county champion at three it doesn't matter it doesn't matter medals are medals eh <laughs> exactly, <yeah>. that's brilliant <laughs> so when you when you got to do you say you were 15 county champion yeah i was it was under 17 so i must have been uh, okay 16. okay and what where where did it kind of lead to after after there well, I suppose I sort of started, you know, developing as a as an adult then, sort of growing hair in places and things. So that was probably the time for me to really step it up a notch. But unfortunately, when you turn 17, 18, there are other opportunities in life, aren't there? And I started uh, drinking and going out and going down a different path. It was by no means like bad. I was having a great time. But, yeah, uh, you, you know, I, my life was then started going out on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And my life sort of quickly... I'm going to say descended. At the time, I was really enjoying it, but mm. I put on a load of weight and my hobby went from being active to being in the pub. Yeah. And uh, that then resulted in me, I think it was sort of 2012, 2013, so I must have been 22 or 23. I, in inverted commas, peaked around 20 stone in weight and that really made me think, hmm, I need to sort something out here. So 20 stone? That, yeah, so it was 127 Jeez. kilos. So I've got the um, my fitness pal app and I can scroll all the way back and I can see when I was logging my weight back then. And there was a few times where I'd like, I'd be like 19 stone. And then I'd say I wouldn't log it for a few months. And I'd go back on a bit heavier. And I can sort of see this like trait of trying to get fit and failing, trying to get fit and failing. But it wasn't until I hit that peak at yeah, 127 kilos where I thought I really need to do something. I think I had 40 inch waist trousers and they were getting a bit tight. And I just thought I cannot go to a shop mm. and buy 40 inch <laughs> trousers. So I need to go to like a special shop, not just like Tesco. Jeez. So, that's that's some effort, mine. So so that that would have been like a I guess a four or five year process there of just Thursday, oh, yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday in the pub. Yeah. Years of, years of training. I could never find <laughs> about four seconds. Brilliant. Yeah. But then I sort of thought, you know what, this isn't like this isn't sustainable. I need to mm. get healthier. And I thought, okay, what what do I know? I thought, well, I know how to run. I was you know, running as a, as a as a child, so I joined the local running club, and that was Newark Striders at the time. And they did like a, a couch to five k, mm. and I remember it being ten pounds. And I thought, twelve week course couch to five k, yes, sign me up. And I went there and did that got to 5k and at the end of that they did a 5k to 10k perfect another 10 pounds 12 weeks 
brilliant and from there just you know you, you build a group of friends that you run a club don't you you go mm. every tuesday and thursday and then it's oh we're all doing this 10k in a few weeks do you want to do that and you focus on events and um, i remember little things like they used to give out little awards and i was once runner of the month and that absolutely made my day like at the time i think i was running about a 32 33 minute 5k okay and to get the runner of the month award i was absolutely but i got a little medal and also you know absolutely <laughs> buzzing so I'm forever grateful to Newark Striders. They're a brilliant local club if you're in the area uh, and they really got me back into my running. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of challenges with that, running when you're heavy, as I said earlier, injuries, shin splints, knee issues, all of that, chafing in places you didn't know you'd get chafing. <laughs> but, um, that really kickstarted me towards the, the, the path of trying. I was still drinking and stuff back then anyway. Yeah. I say it like I was an addict. I wasn't. I just enjoyed going out. <laughs> as you do. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's just part of growing up, isn't it? And go, and go, of course it is. Yeah, and just go, going through that kind of phase in your life of just exploring new things. And mm-hmm. it's... Um, I, yeah. I, I, I guess it's good that you kind of just seen... Like you, you came to that point where you were just like, right, and yeah. enough's enough, and I can't keep on going down this route, you know. And then, yeah, yeah. I wasn't from an agricultural background, but for some reason, I started hanging around with young farmers. And if you know <laughs> what the young farmers organization is like, you know that they're fifty percent drinking, fifty percent working. So um, I think it was just because yeah, you're a product of your environment, aren't you? And that was yeah. the environment. Yeah. So at what point then did you start to triathlon? So running got you back into kind of fitness, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So late, it was either late 2013 or early 2014, I was sick of getting running injuries and I started Mm. riding my bike. Now, when I was a child, I didn't ride my bike competitively. And it sounds really silly when I say it, but I had a paper round. Mm. So, and then I had two paper rounds that the two local shops I do like back to back because I I like to earn in a few quid. So I'd go to one, get this round, get the other one, put the papers together and like, you know, go out and do that. But it meant that I was on my bike for like an hour, an hour and a half every morning before school. And I found that I could naturally handle a bike and I yeah. found that I got, you know, get my bike fitness back pretty well. Mm. So I started cycling. Um, I joined uh, Lincoln Wheeler's Cycling Club and I'd go out on what was their social ride. I'd get dropped and uh, I've still got the Garmin file. So I must have got a Garmin back then. Uh, and we were doing like 12 miles an hour and I was yeah absolutely on my ass. <laughs> but um, I found that I was able to keep exercising because my goal was to lose weight. And every time yeah, people know what it's like when you get an injury, you stop exercising. Mm-hmm. If you're still eating the same as if you're training, you're going to be putting the weight back on. So I found that I needed something to be able to keep training and I didn't really enjoy swimming. So I thought, well, I'd better keep cycling. And then <laughs> triathlon was booming a bit back then so you know we just off the back of the, the brownies and things people everybody in the world's taking up um triathlon so i thought okay i'll give a i'll give a super sprint try a go and it was something like a hundred meter swim which i didn't really train for uh maybe a five or a 10k bike and then the run was one kilometer i remember that distinctly i remember doing the swim and it started and finished in the deep end and of course i wasn't diving in so i just you know jumped in and then swam but I remember getting back to the deep end and like the edge of the pool is like raised from the, from the surface of the water. And I tried to lift my body out and I couldn't get out. I had to <laughs> dip, under the, dip under the lanes and go over to the steps to get out. So I couldn't lift my body weight up out of the water. Um, and the rest of it, I, I can't really recall it too in too much detail, but I remember enjoying it, mm. not doing particularly well, but just at that point getting the bug for, wow, this is a bit of a, a sport I can see myself getting into. Yeah. And, and did it did it take much for you to kind of, to get to the point where uh, you could swim fairly well? Um, so I think I relied upon when I was uh, probably 13 to 16, uh, my dad used to make me and my sister, and I say make because I don't think I enjoyed it at the time, go to swimming club. Yeah. Looking back now, I'm so grateful for him doing mm. that because 
like I f- couldn't physically swim before that. And it's such a life, an important life skill. Mm. And now I find that, I mean, I was never that good because I came to sport like later in my childhood. I found I was, I was okay, but a similar sort of level, I could probably go to a swim gala, but I wouldn't win any races, but I'm able to now be an average swimmer off of like minimal training. Yeah. And I could probably be better if I put more into it, but like many people, you, you have to prioritize your life, don't you? Yeah. So um, yeah, I sort of started swimming maybe once a week or so. I never really gave it much more focus mm. than that. Okay, nice. Because like, just knowing how, how to swim helps, doesn't it? Absolutely. I, I mean, because for a lot of people getting into triathlon, swimming is one of the things which can be really terrifying. Um, it wasn't terrifying for me until I actually tried to start to swim, and I was like, "Jesus, this is hard." <laughs> like, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I, I literally couldn't go from one side of the pool to the other without having to stop for like you know a good couple of minutes and then like breaststroke back down the other way and then have another go and then that, that was it <laughs> yeah and I, I take it for granted now and but like mm. my dad started swimming when he was late 40s or early 50s and he smoked for a huge amount of his life and mm. he was and he's still at the point now he's still learning to swim like years on uh, where he'll get up to like doing doing two or three lengths then he has to stop yeah. and have a breather and yeah. it's just such a long process for those who haven't done it earlier on yeah yeah it's um I, I, I found it really difficult and like I, I had no choice because when I first when I entered my first triathlon I hadn't even started swim training um, yeah. so I was I was like you know I've got no choice other than to do it and I remember being on the start line it was Saunders for triathlon 2017 mm-hmm. and I was just looking at the first boy and I was like there must be something wrong with the measuring device. <laughs> there must be something wrong with it. Yeah. It was only 750 metres, but it just looked like it was about three miles to the first boy, you know? And I was just terrified, absolutely terrified. But, I still uh, feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't disappear. You just yeah. get there a bit quicker. Yeah, I think I started swimming with more purpose when in 2016, I did my first sort of half iron distance at that half Nottingham. And I was thinking, I'm okay getting through sprint distances off of no or little swim training. Mm. If I go to a half iron distance without swim training, I might actually drown. So like I need to, (laughs) I need to now put the swim training in so that I don't do that. The the big hook on a stick that you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 2016, you said you'd done your first half. Yeah, I think that year was the year I really focused on trying to get fit so i did the london london marathon and then outlaw half Mm. and that was like the two big events for me that absolutely blew my mind london because it was the first time i'd really focused on a specific event like i'd done 10ks and half marathons and stuff but i'd never said right for the next six months i'm going to focus on training for this event Mm. and that's what i did with london and i lived in norfolk at the time we had a great local running club at thetford ac and like many spring marathons, there are lots of people in running clubs who are doing them. So there was a few people doing London, a few people doing Manchester. And we just sort of formed a little training group. You'd all meet mm. up on a Saturday morning to run a ridiculous amount of miles. And, and you know, it sort of motivated you through it. And I, I focused on London and I wanted to go and enjoy it. I, I got a ballot place. So I didn't do any fundraiser or anything. So I was able to focus fully on my training. I think I was about 17 stone at this point. So I, was, I wasn't like lean, but I'd lost, you know, a good three or four stone. And mm. I could really feel the difference. And I wanted to run sub four hours. And I remember absolutely flogging myself to around 357. But of course, when you start in the packs in London, you don't run the, the fastest route, do you? You yeah, run like yeah, along yeah. the line. And I, about five miles to go, I thought, I'm going to do this, but it was getting really hard. And as I got to 26 miles, I was like, well, I can't see, I can't see the finish. And I was like, 26.2. I'm like, where the hell is this finish line? Like, I'm actually like, really close to four hours now. So I had to absolutely push and push. But yeah, that was a, a real big achievement for me. And then 
Outlaw Half Nottingham was my first half distance. It's a whole different world, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Stepping up to that distance, although the swim's only a little bit further, the bike and the run is just like next level. Mm. And um, I did look at my splits earlier. I swam 37 minutes, uh, biked 2.55 and ran 1.58. But I remember on that day saying that was harder than the marathon because it was just like a, an all round body draining experience. But that's when I really got the bug for, you know, middle to long distance triathlons because so much you can think about the fitness, yeah, yeah, yeah. the technology, the equipment, all that sort of stuff. So uh, that then started the real proper slippery slope. Did, did that give you like a little bit more purpose around your body weight as well? Where, where, yeah, where kind of like, you know, weight power to weight ratio you know becomes so important on the bike especially when you're doing like you know hillier courses was that was that another little thing that kind of like you know sparked that uh that journey yeah. to get to get down yeah there's no bigger motivator than cycling up a hill and all your friends cycling past you or you know being passed by loads of people but i think you've got to you've got to sort of think about your your natural physiology so i'm six foot two so i'm never going to be uh, you know narrow quintana sprinting up a hill am i but yeah, I definitely noticed that. And even so on the run, just, you know, the efficiency of having mm. to carry all that all, all that weight. And I don't think weight should be the be all and end all. I've definitely performed well when I've been a bit heavier. And I, mm. I think trying to find the sweet spot of not being absolutely lean and you're getting ill all the time and injured and stuff and just being happy. Mm. But um, you can't ignore the fact that, that, you know, that weight is a factor in performance, isn't it? But mm. it's one factor. It's not the, the main factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and where where did you kind of like get to at your lowest weight? Are you, are you there now, or have you kind of like have you been there previously and kind of gone up and down a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So I'm not at my lowest weight now, and that's not because I don't want to be. So I, my lowest weight was 79 kilos, and mm. at that point, I thought, or I didn't feel like I'd really like focused on it. I was just training like hell. Mm. And at the time, so I, I worked a full-time office job and then I was also a retained firefighter outside of that. So um, although you're not paid the same as a whole-time firefighter, you're called out in the night and drill nights and stuff. I was very active. Mm. And because of that, I was able to have a reasonably poor diet, but sort of train it off. Um, I'd also gone fully plant-based in the spring of 2018, I want to say. And I found that that helped me cut out bad foods. So, and by bad, I mean, you know, like chocolate, sweets. Nowadays, there's there's multiple options for that. that yeah. day, so that's not a problem. But um, it, at that point, it helped me do that. Um, I wanted to stay around there. But if I'm honest, I got to early 2020 and with lockdowns, I started working from home and I by no means had a tough time during lockdown. I know a lot of people had a lot more struggles than this, but I was a lot more sedentary. And because of that, over the last year or so, I've just, my weight's just crept up. I've not been as disciplined as I should have been. Mm. I've not trained as much as I should have done. And uh, I'm now around 93 kilos. But I feel like the sweet spot for me is in the low 80s. I think like that uh, that's the point where I don't hold myself back because of my weight, but I feel happy and I'm not having to, mm. oh, I can't have that because I'm thinking about my weight, that sort of thing. So that's definitely where I want to get back to. Uh, my main focus right now is dropping a few kilos because I'm going to Mallorca in 10 weeks and I can't fit in my summer jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not buying anymore. So I need to go in and zip. will <laughs> save you so, a fortune. Yeah. But, yeah. but if, I'm, if I'm honest, Tom, I worry about talking about weight because I don't want people to think that you, you have to be light or lean or no. slim to be a good athlete because you don't have to be. But I can't lie and say that it's not a focus of mine because it is. Yeah. I, I mean, I've got to be honest with you. I've struggled massively with my weight over the years and I've never kind of gone up to like the weight the way you were. I probably peaked at about 15 stone and I've been down to 
probably 11 and a half. Um, so, I mean, that, that fluctuation is, you know, is, is, is big and has a big detriment on health as well, doesn't it? You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I kind of got into triathlon because of weight. Um, cause I was doing loads of weight training. I was finding it really boring. It was a way that I was keeping my weight off, but I just couldn't see myself doing it for a long, long time, you know, and, uh, triathlon came around and I was just like, this is unbelievable. Just the variation in training, you know, there, there was a little bit of focus then, um, and a reason to be down in weight, not just, you know, an aesthetic thing or like a, you know, it just makes me feel good. Um, there was a performance element to it as well. And I got really, um, yeah, really into it, but I still struggle now, you know, um, I've got, I've got to be honest. Um, and it goes, just goes back to my childhood, you know, where my, my parents have never, I've never seen my parents, you know, get up and go to the gym <laughs> you know I didn't get brought up in that in that environment as much as I was sporty you know when I was younger um but it, it, it is a struggle and I, I think uh I think for a lot of people it's the reason why they get into it you know so it's, it's probably yeah. it's probably quite as much as you don't want to make it kind of too much about weight um it's probably quite refreshing for people to hear I guess because I would assume a lot of people get into it uh into this sport for for a similar reason yeah I think the goal for me is to get to a weight that I'm happy at and maintain it by Absolutely. not having to diet or do different mm. things to get to a certain weight, to be able to think, okay, this is now my life. You know, get, yeah. you know, get into better habits. But people often say to me, do a video about weight, but I don't feel that I'm able to in a position to do that mm. because I haven't nailed it. Although yes, I've lost a lot of weight and I'm still, you know, net and massive loss versus where I was. I'm not happy. and I don't feel in a position to give any sort of advice. So something I constantly think about, I think part of my, uh, problem is throughout my childhood when my uh, dad had his like health revelations started being a runner and stuff we then were a household where we didn't have sweets we didn't have chocolate we didn't have fizzy pop and all that sort of stuff so then when I was then able to buy it myself it was almost like I was trying to catch up and oh yes I'm, I'm allowed this now I can, mm. which is weird because like we were the sort of family where my like, dad had let me have a beer when I was like 16 or something at home and, and like it wasn't like you were restricting other ways yeah, yeah, yeah. those things and I sometimes think that's almost I still have those habits now. Oh, I will go to the shop. Or I better pick up a bag of sweets because I can. So, yeah. um, I, t- yeah, I, t- I tell you something though, you know, with regards to the video that you, that you said that you, that people have asked you to do and you don't feel qualified. Um, I think psychologically though, you know, unless you've been on like a similar journey, it's, you you could offer a lot of psychological advice to a lot of people where like a nutritionist or a dietitian, whereas they could, you know, clinically give you the information. Psychologically, they probably can't, you know, especially if they've never been to that point, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I almost feel like there's there's two parts to weight loss. It's kind of like having the tools that you can you can do it uh, physically, so you know what food to eat and you know what things to do. But then, kind of controlling things emotionally as well. And I, f- I feel like the emotional and psychological side to it is probably a lot bigger. Yeah, a big a big thing for me is habit. Absolutely. So trying to change habits like you go and put fuel in the car you go and pay for it and you pick up a bag of sweets so now i instead of filling up my car on the way to or from work i make a specific journey at the weekend to fill it up and that's all i'm doing i'm just putting fuel in the car i'm not yeah. going to a petrol station on pay the way the yeah whilst you, yeah all that yeah or while you know whilst you're hungry or whilst you oh, i ain't got time to do that oh i'll just get a subway those sorts of things yeah yeah it's, it's interesting so br- bringing it back to like triathlon a little bit um where was your first uh first ironman or I am at so, distance. Okay, so I had a few bites at the apple before I f- feel I actually did one, not through any fault of my own. So 
in 2018, I'd entered I'm on UK. Yeah. Um, several reasons. I wanted to do one, obviously, because you know, who, who doesn't? You fall down that slippery slope. Uh, we'd also, the year before, uh, myself and my partner, I'm not going to say I had like a midlife crisis, but I did have a little bit of a crisis in that uh, neither of us had gone to university, neither of us had been traveling. And I felt like we wanted to do something like that, uh, where we took a bit of time either away from work or went and did something special, those sorts of things. And where I worked at the time, I'd requested a sabbatical. I'd requested three months off work. And my plan was, I was going to, there was a bike race that was around the UK that would take maybe 20, 25 days to finish, which is bonkers. And it got cancelled in the end. Um, and then I wanted for us to like go to France or Spain and just spend a bit of time just cycling around, just, just having a, you know that period of time that we hadn't had it in our early life because we don't have children or anything. I thought, well, you know, I need to make the most of this time whilst we've got it. Um, so I you know, put my request in all that and eventually it was unfortunately declined. So I thought, okay, well, I've planned to take that period of time off work and I wouldn't have been earning money during that time. What else can we do within, like, I need to keep a job. I can't just say, okay, fine, see you later. Um, so the most amount of time I could realistically take off work was three weeks. So I took a three week uh, holiday and we decided to go to Kona to watch the Ironman World Championships. A big inspiration to me, both in the triathlon world. And I thought, you know what, between now and then, because we booked it a year ahead, I can uh, firstly focus on trying to qualify for it. But if I don't, it doesn't matter. But I don't want to go there and not have known, you know, what if, what if I had gone and done a race? Um, so that, that's what we did. We booked to go to Kona already. Then I went to Ironman UK the following July. And I'd really focused on that event. I'd, mm. uh, you know, booked it nearly a year ahead. I trained specifically for it. Uh, I remember, you know, course recce, uh, talking to anybody, looking on YouTube, Google, any sort of course tips, really trying to nail the event. And in the week leading up to it, so I was in the retained fire service and it was really, really hot. And we live uh, quite close to a forest with loads of forest fires and there's loads of wildfires near near the event in Manchester. And, um so basically in the weekly up to it, they decided they were going to shorten the bike course because of um, fires on the course. Oh, wow. So it went ahead. It was ridiculously hot, but the bike course was 95 miles. So I did it. I finished. But there's always that little, <laughs> oh, you did Ironman UK the easy year, did you? Oh, the year that there was, it wasn't an Ironman. All that sort of stuff. So I did that, but I thought that I wasn't the one. Yeah. And then the next year, so where I live, we're quite close to a lot of the outlaw events. So the mm. outlaw full distance is on my doorstep. Again, I could recce the course really well. Um, I knew the route. I thought, right, I've done an Ironman. I feel like I can do a flatter one now and try and go a bit faster. And again, the day came around and I was in good shape. Uh, we did the swim. We got out the swim. I remember coming out the water and it was really busy. And I thought, I know I'm a bad swimmer, but like, what, what are those people doing? Like just walking in front of me. And I was trying to barge through people. Like, I, mean, I know I'm racing for 500th place, but we're in a race, aren't we? Uh, and then a marshal was like, hey, calm down. We've cancelled the bike because it was throwing it down with rain. Oh, no and way. It was too dangerous for the, for the bike course to go ahead, which I think was the right decision. There was trees down and all sorts. But then it was like, oh, okay, well, what, what now? So the captures in this little tent in the, in the transition tent. And then eventually 10, 10 or 15 minutes later said, we're going to run the marathon. It starts in an hour and a half, like rolling start. It's there if you want to. I thought, okay. Well, I thought, well, I've, you know, I've paid 300 quid for this. I need to go and do the marathon. So I did that. And it was awful because you trained to run an Ironman marathon. Yeah, yeah, I went, yeah. The course went off absolutely ballistic. I, I went through a half marathon in 1.35. And then, this, this, and then the second half took me two hours. <laughs> so it did not go to plan. It really hurt me. So again, another chance where I thought, oh, I'm not quite, I've not ticked that box fully of doing it. I haven't touched my bike, so I can't even claim to do anything near an Ironman. So I thought, right, Wales 2019, this has got <laughs> to be the one. I'd already entered it, of course. I knew it was coming up. I thought, this has got to be it. And then, of course, you hear the, 
oh, well, years ago, they, sh- they shortened the swim or, oh, they can be, oh, just please, please <laughs> let it go ahead in its entirety. So the day came around and uh, Wales obviously happened and I got, got round and um, yeah, really enjoyed it. The biggest event I've ever done in terms of like supporters and stuff. And that really like, motivated me to want to come back, mm. do it better mm. and uh, and get around Wales again. But um, I don't want to bore you with the details of Wales too much. It seems like it was so long ago now since yeah. it was last held. Yeah, absolutely. Those that have done it will know how incredible it is. And those that haven't, I just, it's hard to describe. Just yeah. go and do it. That's the easiest way to explain it. Yeah. What what was your kind of um your experience like in the in the in the build up to it? Like when when did you get to Tembi? Um what did you think? Have you been there before uh, as well? Yeah, so so I've been there in the summer because I was taking it seriously. I wanted to do yeah. the best I could. So I'm I'm big, I'm a big fan of recce in a course. Sure. Uh, not just to say, oh, where can I go faster? But particularly on a course like Tembi where there's hills and there's twists and there's turns, it's more for safety. Where do you know that you really need to be a little bit cautious? Mm-hmm. And where can you carry a bit more speed? Those sorts of things. I also wanted to know that because I was scared. Like it's like seven and a half thousand feet on the bike, isn't it? I wanted to know what these hills were like. So I've been around the course in the summer, had a walk around the town, and you can't really run the run course during the summer, can you? In this yeah. tourist, but, you know, I did the hill up and down up to the roundabout and back yeah. and stuff. But I felt like I knew the course, but nothing can quite prepare you for it on on race day, can it? So that that experience was you know was incredible. Uh, the swim. Just standing there and having the Welsh National Anthem and uh, again you might see the videos but it does not compare goose pimples when you stood there uh, two laps on the swim I remember coming out of the swim after the first lap and it's like an Australian exit isn't yeah. it so you, you run about 50 or 100 metres on the sand and I remember I'm barging past people on the sand thinking I'm in a race here like I need to you know keep keep going as fast as I can immediately get back in the water and all those people pass me straight away <laughs> um, but there you go uh, getting on the bike uh thinking right this is it this is me i trained for it i'd done the like the attack de tour earlier in the year and done pretty well there or pretty well for me but right hilly bike course let's go um gave it everything i got and everybody has their hard patch don't they they're, they're, where they hit the wall and that came for me at about 70 miles it must have been for about 10 or 15 miles i just felt like i, I could hardly turn the pedals mm. it was quite a warm day it was perfect weather i thought oh, have i not drank enough have i not ate enough so I waffed down everything I had on the bike. I thought, well, it's no good to me just sat in that bag on the bike. Yeah. I might as well eat everything. So I ate everything and then um, felt like I, my legs came back and I caught up with um, a, a close rival of mine who I'd raced a lot uh, in Norfolk. Now I say raced a lot as if it sounds like you're at some sort of standard. You know, we're racing for the, 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 the minor placing. <laughs> I passed him at about 100 miles on the bike, you know, just before... Uh, sort of Wiseman's, and I thought yeah. I, need to put some, I need to put some distance into this guy. So I absolutely flogged myself for the last like ten miles of the bike. <laughs> uh, got on the run, and he passed me at about ten k on the run. I thought, oh, that's that then. And then I repassed him at about fourteen or fifteen miles. And when I say repassed him, it must have been the slowest race to ever be seen. <laughs> like I'm like. 10 minute mile and he's 10 and a half minute mile. <laughs> but you know you feel like you're in a real race don't you yeah absolutely um, anyway he repassed me about 18 miles and that was that but, that was um, it <laughs> yeah but i felt like i i felt like i knew the i knew the course well um the support is absolutely unreal mm. you just eat i remember speaking to uh, um i'd met lucy gossage at mallory park in the lead up to wales and i thought okay she knows how to get around Ironman Wales. So I asked her, Lucy, what, what tips have you got for Ironman Wales? And she said, well, just only focus on the hill, on the run. All the running in the town is free. So you will not think about it because the support is that good. 
just think about the only part you need to run is the hill. Okay, fine. And that was absolutely true. It did it did hurt, but you're not having to focus on the actual running. Yeah, it's uh it's it's a pretty it's a pretty special day to be fair. Mm. And um like I my my first experience of Ironman Wales was going down there to watch and I didn't even know what a triathlon was. I didn't know what what order the events, you know, uh that came in and um it, it just literally captured my imagination, you know, and um Every like single, it was a drinking sport. Exactly. <laughs> like every, every single year, it, it's just got bigger and better. Um, for, for you in 2019, did you did you expect that level of support? No. So <clears throat> I'd done Ironman UK and the support there was good, but it was next level in Wales. I'm talking mm. when you're on the bike course, there's people in tractors with sofas in the bucket, like sat in them watching people go past people on the end of the driveways, not just there, oh, we'll just nip out and clap somebody. They're set up with tables and chairs. Like They're yeah, there for the day. Absolutely. They've got jelly babies. I mean, you wouldn't dream of doing it now with COVID, would you? But tubs of jelly babies that everybody's sticking their hands in and stuff. And, um, yeah, it was just absolutely crazy. And even on the um, on the run, you've got, obviously got people outside pubs having a, a grand old day out and uh, they get more and more enthusiastic as the day goes on. Uh, so no, I didn't expect it. Although when I then talk about this to the people, all I then hear is, oh, if you like that, go and do Roth. So I can't yeah. imagine what other events are like because yeah. Wales to me just, just could not be topped for the amount of support. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's going to be better this year. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I really do. Are you, are you doing it this year? Yes. So, oh, wow. Um, the week after, of course, we had a club entry gate, didn't we? A few days yeah. after. <laughs> so I'd gone to the, um, of course, I'm still sort of half chasing a Kona spot. I think I placed about, 20th in my age group but you never know do you so i went to the roll down didn't get it i thought okay fine but yeah that motivated me to think right i need to come back again and do this again Mm. and for me a flatter course is probably it's probably suits my strengths more but because i had that memory fresh in my mind of how good the event was but well i'm not a professional i don't need to get the best place or the best time I just want to do the best event. So I thought, well, I'm going to come back and do Wales again then. So I think on the Wednesday, when they opened entries for those who had currently done it, I just entered it again. Yeah. So that was three years ago. Now. I knew at that point that I wanted to do it. So yeah, I'm doing it again this year. I've had three years notice. And if I'm honest at the minute, I'm not sure if I'm going to do any better than what I did last time. But oh, really? I'm going to give it my, well, I, I'm just going to give it my best shot. You, you don't really know till the day, do you? But, yeah. Uh, in terms of like times on the day, I swam at 112, which I was really happy with. Uh, I biked 5.44 and then I ran 4.16, which, if I'm honest, that, that's as good as I could have hoped for. Um, yeah, I, that's I, an awesome uh, time. Oh, yeah, over the moon. I think it was 11.20 something overall. Yeah. So I was yeah. really, really happy with that. But, um, of course, you come away from those sorts of things thinking, oh, if I could just take five minutes off of this yeah. and ten minutes off of that, um, and then I'll do eight hours. But uh, it doesn't always work like that, does it? Exactly. So, so look, looking at those performances last time, um, I mean, they're all they're all pretty solid. Bike, exceptional. Um where where do you feel like you know in three years where do you feel like that you could take a little bit of time off um i think the run has the biggest gains there if i look at my age group winners they're all swimming between 55 minutes and an hour mm. the biking at wales between 5 10 and 5 30 but they're running between 255 and 310 mm. so i think there's the biggest amount of gains and also you've got to look at you know how long you're spending doing these things yes they're swimming between 50 and 55 oh, you know 55 minutes in an hour but if i put six months of work in could i drop five minutes off my swim maybe if i've put six months of work into my run 
I might be able to drop half an hour off. But yeah. we all know it's spinning plates between life and like when three years ago, I lived in a different part of the country. I had a different job. I, uh, you know, had different demands on my life. So you've got to weigh that up as well, haven't you? But um, yeah, I think the run's probably the, the biggest gain, but I still think there's space on the bike. If I hadn't have had a bit of a, a wobble halfway around, yeah. I think I could have quicker but i think also just having done it before mm. is an advantage mm. um a lot of people say you know on at wales it's worth 10 minutes to to know the course in fact Nathan Ford himself says you know, t- you know 10 15 minutes if you know the course well and he did it pretty well in 2019 so that's <laughs> absolutely my aim that's amazing that's amazing and what what would you kind of like looking back at 2019 what was your um like if you if you were to pick like a couple of experiences which you know, really made your day, what what would they be? Or even even looking at the week in general? Mm-hmm. So I probably saw a lot more than I saw firsthand because I had Liz, my other half there with a camera and my, a couple of friends there. I've just like given GoPros out to people because <laughs> I thought if this is going to be good, I need this on video. And they did a great job of commentating the race day. Uh, but they captured obviously a lot of things that I didn't see. Sure. So um, some of the things where there's, there's people, I had to blur his number out so he didn't get DQ'd. But there's a guy riding up, um, I think it was Wiseman's, and he had a can of Stella in his hand. Like he's, he's doing the Ironman. And, it, and he was he was putting it in his mouth and he must have had a gap in his teeth or something. And he was like squirting it uh, at the spectators and stuff. I think things like that just don't happen in normal events, do they? Um, so I think just seeing people who are there and they're doing it in fancy dress or, you know what, people at Tenby like to do that from the swim to the uh, T1. So for those that don't know, it's about a one kilometer run. And some people see it as a bit of a, bit of a fashion parade and there's all uh, funky speedos, isn't there? So people taking the wetsuits off or mankinis and those sorts of (laughs) things. Exactly. Yeah. Those things for me just make you realize, I think sometimes we can, and I do as well, we focus a lot on our performance, but we need to just remember we're there because we enjoy it. Absolutely. And seeing people who are there because they purely enjoy it is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's class. Yeah. It's class. I love it. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm, ge- I'm guessing you're pretty excited for this year. Oh, very much so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's been a long time since I've done an Ironman, so I'm a little bit scared as well. But uh, yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing to, to get back out on course and uh, hearing more from people who come on, on this podcast and talk about their journeys to the event and stuff. So yeah. Uh, have you got any other events lined up, Dan? Um, I'm doing a bit off piece this year. I enjoy riding my bike. So I yeah. recently moved to Derbyshire about 18 months ago and I want to get good at bike riding. So I'm mm. doing a fair bit of bike racing. So we've got some, we've got a road race league local, locally tours that I'm organising a race for. So I'm going to do a bit of that. Watch out, triathlete in a bike race. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else am I doing? Outlaw Half Woburn um, and a couple of other little races. But in honesty, everything is focused around Ironman Wales. Even the bike racing. Wales is a 112 miles of a hilly bike course. If yeah. I can get good at riding my bike in the hills in the Peak District, it's going to pay dividends. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so Wales is the main focus. But I'll definitely, you've got to keep your hand in, haven't you? You've got to yeah. do those things where yeah. you, you swim, bike, run. So yeah, yeah definitely. Out, outlaw half open. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, Outlaw. We, we're doing the first Outlaw event, whatever, whichever one that half is. Nottingham. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, I experienced Outlaw for the first time last year, done Outlaw X. Mm-hmm. And, oh, lovely, yeah. Uh, what a fantastic event. Mm-hmm. yeah and just really organized well um yeah just felt feel important didn't you to know in, the, in yeah. those events i think they do a great job yeah so a few years ago outlaw used to be the races used to be uh, a bit of a lower standard 
than Ironman events. So, for example, I, in 2019, my, my best half Ironman performance, I was 40-something overall. I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm on the first page of results. I've got this kind of thing. Um, but since then, the standard has just risen and risen. I know it hasn't in the sport in general, but especially at outlaw events. It's not like it's a always oh, a little low-key event anymore. The price is very competitive. They're very friendly. They mm. are very flexible. I know of people who have rang them up and said, oh, I, I know that I don't meet the refund or transfer criteria, but and they, they then adapted that and, and looked after the, the customers and stuff. So I like doing them because they're on the doorstep. I like doing them because I can go out and do like bike course recce videos because they're on the doorstep to me. And like there's a, there's a gentleman in our uh, cycling club lives around the corner from me, actually. He's done every single outlaw event. Ever. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So whilst I might think this year, oh, brilliant, we've got a new event at Woburn. He's like, oh, I've got to do another one because he's, he's, continuing, he's continuing the trend of having done every single one of them. So, um, yeah, r- really good fun. And it's main benefit for me is that they're, they're on the doorstep and they're just yeah. so friendly. But, yeah, the numbers are creeping up. I think they have between 1,500 and 2000 each race so it's not yeah. like they're a, a little event anymore yeah i was i was I, I didn't know what to expect you know i did people talking you know really highly about the events and um yeah just went there with a real open mind i entered after wales got cancelled last year mm-hmm. and um yeah i was i loved it absolutely loved yeah. it I like things to do things like I did the Holcomb half a few years ago and it was really, really hot. Mm. And they said at the briefing, look, you know, the official rules are if you take outside assistance, then you should be DQ'd. But we appreciate it's 30 degrees on the run course. If your friends or family are giving you a bottle of water, take it. And I thought that, that's just, that's brilliant, isn't it? So yeah. and then also they let you, the um, allow people to cross the finish line together. So yeah. uh, people only see the, the race results, don't they? What they don't see is the family and the support network behind them who have put up with them training for six months and missing things because they're going out training and stuff. So to be able to share that moment with somebody crossing the line, and I've done it a few times in my other half, is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's class. Absolutely awesome. So plans for your channel, Dan? Any any plans for this year? Anything that you want to kind of, any topics that you, you're going you're gonna to dive into a little bit more this year? well i really enjoy documenting events mm. but unfortunately there's only so many events i can do in a year mm. and i say i enjoy documenting them realistically it's my partner liz thank you liz, <laughs> uh, who ends up with a camera and having to do some sort of video for it but for me they're the ones that i enjoy making because i enjoy looking back at them yeah now over the last couple of years i've sort of tested and trialed trying to document events that either me and my friends and clubmates do or mm. that, that my clubmates do and that's something i really want to try and push on with this year because a lot of my friends do incredible things and I don't really do incredible things. So I want to try and document that for them. Uh, and you know, when I go out on a bike ride or something, when I'm trying to do like a, a vlog, you know, I'm asking people, well, would, you, would you mind coming on a video? Like it's weird to them. And it's like, yeah. a bit of a, Oh, do I have to sometimes? So I always want to give something back to them. And I think the biggest one I'm focusing on this year is uh, my friend, James, who might be known by some viewers as a triple brutal James. Uh, he did my uh, race day video in Wales and every opportunity he'd done the triple brutal, which is a triple Ironman in uh, Wales a few weeks before I'm on Wales last year yeah. uh, in 2019. He said, you know, this sort of reminds me of the time that I did three of these, like almost <laughs> making out like that, that, what I was doing was insignificant. Uh, and anyway, since then it's sort of stuck and I get, I must get a comment a week still from people saying, where's James? What's he doing? So he's doing a Decker this year, which is an Ironman. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is uh, he's doing the one a day. So it's a massive challenge for him. But I'm going along to that. I'm being in a support crew, but I'm trying to document that in video form because I was so grateful to him making mm. a race day video for me. And he's always one of the people who, when I'm out on a ride, I'm like, oh, come on, James, tell us what we're doing today. And he's always steps up to it. 
Um, but that challenges me as well as like a content creator, because I need to think about how I need to tell a good story, what sort of things I need to capture, how I can really display what he's doing. And it's all things I need to learn or want mm. to learn. I'm by no means an expert. This is something that I just, I just pick up a GoPro and just, you know, just, just learn as you go along. But I do want to get better at it. So yeah. I think that's a, a great opportunity for me. I have told him, look, if you don't do all 10 days, you're going to ruin the whole video. So please don't miss a selfie. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, that's probably one of the main things. And then we, we're doing things like um, me and my couple of friends are going to do a couple of team time trials. So uh, cycling time trials, the governing body, allow you to have cameras on your bikes. So that gives me an opportunity. I can have a camera front and back. I can put the power stats on. We can see, you know, who's taking a turn when and talk through things like that. It's more of a challenge for British cycling. They, they don't allow it at the minute. I have written them to ask as per their procedure. Uh, and triathlons, outlaw events are, are really good with cameras mm. and stuff. So uh, I've done a couple of relays in the past. So they'll let me, uh, say if I'm coming in off the bike and Liz is going on the run, she will have the camera. She'll get, get me coming in. I'll wrap my bike. I'll grab the camera off of her and she'll run off. Perhaps officially I should be DQ'd. Outlaw are pretty flexible with it because they know that they get the, to see the race day video. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, bad, so, it's beneficial for them, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I just, I just want to be able to share cool things that would otherwise go undocumented mm. and just sort of try and show that there's a lot of um, great content on YouTube and a, but a lot of it is really good athletes, um, be it, um, you know, drop names like Harry Palmer, Andrew Horsfall Turner, uh, Joe Skipper and stuff like it's great content, but I sometimes think it's not always relatable to the average Joe, is it? Because uh, Harry Palmer did a 30 hour training week a couple of weeks ago. Well, I can't go and do a 30 hour training week. So I want to be able to share, you know, the journey of somebody who, yeah, doesn't it doesn't always go to plan because of because of life and because you're not that good yeah <laughs> so, um, yeah and just more of the same i don't want to make it too complicated i enjoy putting out regular videos i do one a day at the minute and uh, oh, wow. just trying to learn as i, learn as I go yeah so that, how, how much how much time do you put into that per day then dan oh i don't really want to add it up um yeah. i uh try and structure it that i use more time at the weekend so, for ah, example, okay. today's a Monday, and I've got the next four videos done and scheduled, so I don't need to pick a camera up until Thursday, Friday. Sure. Um, but that takes planning. Uh, it takes uh, trial and error. Sometimes I'll sit there without any ideas. I have, like, a, a notice board in front of me, which I'll just write some video ideas down on, and throughout the week, think about how I'm going to do that, and then try and capture it at the weekend. Mm. Um, the, the, the daily videos aren't too labor-intensive. I've got better at it. Yeah. So I'll do things like, if I'm going for a run, I'll pick up the camera towards the end of the run so I can talk about how the run's gone and then what I'm doing that later day in one clip. So I'm yeah. not have to do any editing. It's just... Yeah, editing. yeah. Yeah. It's, so it, pro- pro- like, probably probably 15 to 20 hours a week at least in total. Oh, wow. That's, 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 it's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But then I only do it because I want to. It's not yeah. like... I, I, don't, I don't have to do it. Similar yeah. to yourself doing this podcast. You yeah. do it because you enjoy it and because you want to give something back to the sport and stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, as it's developed you know youtube is a like it does generate a little bit of money it's nowhere near enough to live on but yeah. it certainly goes some way towards buying a camera yeah, or yeah, yeah. um you know buying memory cards those sorts of things so um and who knows where it'll go yeah yeah exactly exactly the the opportunities are seriously big when it comes to social media these days um yeah. i i'm not a big kind of um i don't consume a lot of content via youtube i've got to be honest um I'm more of a kind of podcast guy, which is probably why I've ended up doing podcasts. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it is it is time consuming. It is time consuming. That's why I asked you the question because it's um, you know I can I can kind of even just editing a podcast. 
like if I have to, I don't edit many of them, uh, but you know, it can take a couple of hours sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a, yeah. a lot longer than it takes somebody to listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think in terms of in terms of like rewards and the point of doing YouTube, it's really hard to measure this. But mm. I've met so many cool people through doing it. Example today. Would you be talking to me if I hadn't have been such a, I don't know, gobshite on the internet? Maybe not. <laughs> uh, you know, so like uh, and, uh, my running coach, I met him when I talked about Outlaw Fall, the bike was cancelled. When I was sat in that change tent, cold, wet, miserable, he came up to me and said, oh, seeing your videos on YouTube, we got talking. Yeah. He lives near me and now he's my run coach. Yeah. So like it's, you can get, meet, meet some such cool people, such hilarious characters and some real, real genuine relationships that go on through friendships. Yeah, no, it's good. It is, it is good. And to, talk, talking about um, cool characters and meeting some cool people, um, you probably would have seen that I put a, a little post out on Instagram earlier and I've had a couple of replies. Oh, I was um, worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether you got any directly or anything, but um, I, I'm not going to say who asked this, but you'll probably be able to answer it anyway. Um, well, that means it's an offensive one. <laughs> <laughs> um, is Andrew Horsfall Turner your favourite pro triathlete? Sorry, I've never heard of him. <laughs> Who? <laughs> exactly. Um, I think he calls me his number one fan, so I'm going to have to say yes. I don't want to break his heart. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Andrew, obviously new on the pro scene, isn't he? Like, I didn't know him in 2019. <coughs> Excuse me. But, um, you're going to have to you're going to have to get him on to talk about his race in 2019. It's one of my all-time favourite stories. I've had him on. Oh, has he? Oh, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, I've had him on. Yeah. Uh, and I really, really hope that he's going to be <clears throat> the next big thing in triathlon. Because I want him to take me to Kona for one. Uh, and for two, <laughs> uh, for two, I've started putting together the videos for him on his YouTube channel. So he's okay. st- he's starting to do that. And I think in today's day and age, if you're going to try and make it as a pro, you, you can't just be a good athlete anymore. You have to have a social platform. And as I said, I'm by no means an expert, but I'm getting that insight into his training and him as a personality. And mm. he's really helped me out over the last couple of years. Just like he'll message me advice about, I'm on Wales course tips or training tips, or will give me some swim sessions to do. Like what interest has he got in how I'm swimming? None, but he goes out of his way to, yeah. you know, to help me. So I think you can really tell when somebody is a, a nice guy. And for that mm. reason, I make a bit of a joke about it. Like I'm his number one <laughs> fan, but uh, you know, it is a nice lad. Class. No, he is a good lad. We actually, had, uh, we had a good, uh, good episode. It was before he turned pro. Um, I can't remember when it was actually, or what number episode it was, but it'd be on there for anybody who wants to listen to it. Um, but yeah, some some athlete, isn't he? Yeah, my favourite part was he swam. Bear in mind the age group field starts what five minutes after the pros. He swam through the majority of the uh, the pro female and male fields, and it took Joe Skipper and Phil Graves to a sixty k on the bike to catch him. He's <laughs> <laughs> on he's on he's on the official coverage as well. It's amazing. Isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Fair play, and it, and you know I've I've not followed kind of him intensely over the last couple of years, but. It just seems like he's improved so much as well. You know, I'm moving it's... into a spare bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> like you didn't say into his bed then. Yeah, <laughs> That's the was, next step. Yeah, <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, we got another question. Will Dan use his weights area for lifting weights or continue as a storage rack? Right. I don't know why it's called weights area when a squat rack is perfect for hanging towels. <laughs> so it's being used for its intended purpose. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Um, we've got another couple of questions here. Would you prefer a standalone 3.8k swim or a marathon? Uh, 
probably a marathon just because you can actually look at the data and pace it whereas swimming or i find with swimming you don't really know how you swam until you finished yeah that's hard isn't it yeah <laughs> I, I i get i guess if you've swum a lot when you were younger you'd probably have a decent mm-hmm. idea but i'm i'm with you i've got no idea um yeah. if i'm going fast or not <laughs> yeah and, and there's always duck poo and yeah. people hitting you in the swim like, in a marathon, you can just get into your own groove exactly um another one what was your first triathlon and what made it uh, motivated you to try one uh so the first try was the super sprint i talked about earlier mm. and what motivated me to try one was wanted to see what it was like but i remember it, it was a um oh, i can't remember it's it was the equivalent of go try i don't know if it was called go try back then it was essentially like a really low key event i think it was about it was either a fiver or a tenner to enter and that really appealed to me (laughs) (laughs) but it wasn't like 100 pounds that that doesn't exist anymore (laughs) long gone (laughs) class um so i guess i mean brilliant to have you on and it's so inspiring actually to hear your story and especially like even though like I think you're quite modest in terms of, you know, your performance and some of the times that you've put in, I think they're, you know, they're, they're pretty impressive times. Um, and it's really inspiring to see someone who's kind of, you know, literally come from, uh, going out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, not, not being, um, you know, active at all to, you know, doing like a sub 11 and a half hour Ironman in Ironman Wales as well. Um, that's pretty awesome. And I take my hat off to you massively, but for anybody listening to this, what would your advice be for anybody who may be trying, uh, who's entered Ironman Wales for the first time and they're maybe not from Wales and they don't really know much about, uh, about the town, uh, about the event itself, about the build-up to it. What would your advice be to, to, to those guys? If you can get there, go and recce the course. And I don't just mean for the benefit of being able to go faster. When we went and recce the course, we also recce restaurants and places in the town. So if you can go somewhere and know that, okay, the day before you race, you're going somewhere where you, you know you've already ate and you know the food's all right and you're not going to get food poisoning. And even you can book it before yeah. then. And that's a, that's a big advantage. Um, if you're thinking about coaching or guidance try and think of a coach or somebody who is gonna be able to you know train you with that event in mind ironman wales although it's another ironman it's very different to a flat ironman i think the the effort level is very different in terms of it's very up and down so you're going to be working hard up the hills and easier down the hills and that takes different training than Mm. a flat ride or flat run does so try and find a coach or even a group of people or listen to somebody who has at least done wales or has done hilly ironmans um and then i say talk to people get the advice from people who have done it a lot of people have a lot of theory but experience always outweighs theory so try and talk to people who were who have done it obviously watch every single video i've put out about i'm on wales um, i'm hoping to get out uh, over this summer and link up with uh, my number one triathlete andrew Turner, <laughs> and also get some advice from him and uh, you know really try and share that so if you can't get there for a recce i know it's quite a long way for a lot of people just try and absorb what information you can mm. and when you do go there for the weekend if you can 
get there as early as you can. So if you can get there on the Thursday before the race, that's perfect. I think I got there on the Friday. I did the register and everything on the Friday. So on the Saturday, all you've got to do is go and rack your bike, mm -hmm. just reduce that life stress. I think I actually went and ran a park run on the Saturday morning. Really steady, really easy. But just enabled me to take my mind off of the event that you were doing. And just there were people there who were doing Wales as well. So you start talking about it and it just builds that anticipation that enables you to make it a bit more of a, bit more of a holiday than just going to do a race. So, um, <laughs> Absolutely. And, and do you know, 2022 versus 2019 for you, like performance to one side, is there anything that you'll be doing a little different in the build-up to it? Um, you know, you're, are you going to go down a couple more times than, than you did in 2019? Is there any restaurants you want to explore? Are you going to, are you going to, you know, be in your speedos going from the swim uh, up to T1. <laughs> yeah. So there's a few things I'm, I think I'm definitely going to do differently. I'm going to, I'm going to try and get over to 10B twice, but it's not for the physical training. It is just to knowing the course. Sure. Uh, I think twice is enough. Uh, it's about four hours for me each way. So it's mm. going to, it's going to, it's a long old time. I can't really commit any more than that. Also, I'll, I'll wrap it in with, you know, going to meet with Andy and stuff as well. So mm. it's not just going to be just training. I'll probably do more race specific training. And by that, I mean, when I go and uh, do a brick session, for example, it's all too easy to fall into the trap of, oh, I'm going to do a brick session. I'm going to average this speed. And then gonna, I'm then going to run this pace because that'll look good on Strava. Actually, if I'm doing Wales, none of it is going to look good on Strava. So I need to make my training suitable to that. And now I, I'm very lucky that I live in the hills. Mm. It's just going to be like, it's going to be hilly bikes into hilly runs. Yeah. And thinking about different skills, Sam Long always talks about he's the best downhill runner in the sport. So I'm going to try and claim to be the best amateur downhill runner in the sport. <laughs> but basically, you know, if you, can, if you can run fast down a hill, well, there's about a two mile downhill on Wales. So Absolutely. if you get fit running uphill, you, you can make some serious ground up. So yeah. I'm just going to be trying to think about those sorts of things. And also T1, there's a massive amount of time to be saved there. If you can uh, have like fast trainers putting on, if you can decide if you're taking your wetsuit off or leaving it on or not, just nail that process. Don't forget your pink bag. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and you can save a bit of time there. So I'm trying to analyze it and trying to think about where you can save time, where you can be better but I'm trying not to get bogged down into yeah. it. I listened to a, um, a podcast that Alistair Brownlee did a few weeks ago and he was talking about, you know, you spend so much time turning over these little rocks, looking for little gains. You miss the big boulders at the top of the hill. Uh, I need to just do a lot of cycling and running and swimming. Yeah. <laughs> and that's going to put me in a good place for it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm excited for the race. Um, I'm sure you are, Dan. I'm excited to, to meet you when you're down there as well. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I just want to say a massive thank you to uh, you know to you for giving up your time, your lunch break. Um, no yeah. Tom, you've been far too kind to me today. I'm very grateful to you inviting me on here. This is actually the, the first podcast I've ever been on. No way. Genuinely... <laughs> I was really nervous. Shut up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I hope it's come across okay. Uh, really enjoyed being on here. If anybody else has listened to this and you might think, oh, I'm no good for a podcast. Not at all. If I'm on it, then you can be on it. Drop Tom a message and I'm sure I'll get you in the diary. He's got loads of free time. Absolutely. <laughs> Dan, you're a Thank legend. You, I'll put I'll put all your links to your um, your channels in, uh, in the, uh, the notes of the podcast. Much appreciated. Yeah, top man. Thanks a lot. Cheers. See you, on, see you on the beach. Absolutely. <laughs>